You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Welcome to The Hiring Line. I'm your host, Scott Sheeran, and this is a special episode for several different reasons. So this is the first episode where we have a co-host, Chuck Stahl. You might remember him from our second episode. He's also my partner and co-founder with Climb, the AI-enabled app that we're building and trying to deliver to the world. And as our guest today, an old friend of mine, Donnie Gupton. So Donnie and I go back several years. He actually helped me get my recruiting company, Veteran Talent, off the floor. So years ago, and we've stayed in close contact all this time. And welcome to the show, Donnie. Scott, thank you for having me, man. It's, it's an honor to be here. And yeah, I've enjoyed our connection over the years and I'm, I'm glad you thought about me. Oh, absolutely, man. It's always a pleasure catching up with you, you know, whether we're being recorded or not. So, yeah, <laughs> 100%. It's all good. So yeah, I'm excited to have you on and share a little bit about you and your journey. You're in a, a very unique niche. So most people, you know, think about the recruiting world and just the aspect of just going out and doing the recruiting, but you're in sort of a, a support role for the recruiting world. So why don't you share a little bit about you and your company and what you guys do? Yeah. So, I mean, what I have to offer is what's called the relevant recruiter. Uh, I've built this actually through working with folks like yourself, Scott, through years, as you know, when I first came into the space, you know, I was doing a lot of done for you type of things. And my, my area of focus is not on recruiting in general, but it's more on how can I help recruiting companies build more awareness around their brand, leverage, you know, technology, leverage automation, build out marketing systems, to essentially, you know, change the way that they're doing business, which we're focused on more on attraction side, which, you know, our main focus is on client attraction. But what we found by helping, you know, several hundred people at this point is that a lot of these principles actually work for candidate attraction as well. So, you know, that's in a nutshell, you know, right now, the main offering is that we have a coaching program that we would put people through to help them you know, implement and build these types of systems internally for their recruiting team. Awesome. And, you know, what you find out in the recruiting world, and you know this quite well, is, you know, a candidate today is a client tomorrow and vice yep. versa, you know, I mean, they're all just yep. people. So I've been saying that for years. It's like, you don't have, you don't have a relationship with, you know, Fifth Third Bank or City or anybody else. You have a relationship with individuals that happen to work for those companies and that opens a lot of doors. A hundred percent, you know, and I think that's one of the things that I, you know, I, you know, I came into the recruiting world, not with a recruiting background. I came in as a marketer and it's actually been a really, I think, competitive advantage for me because I haven't been trained in the same box that a lot of people have been trained in. I come in from a different lens. And one of the things that, you know, you just said is what I believe, which is people by people, you know, your relationship within that company is not the actual company. It's the actual individuals within that company. And that's where I feel like there was a lot of opportunity that I saw for recruiters, which was to build some brand and credibility around themselves individually in order to elicit more of these relationships for their own business or for their company's business. So absolutely. So now you didn't jump right into entrepreneurship, did you? I mean, did you, how did you transition into having this program? Did you build the program yourself? Did you, how did you find the industry? I mean, what, what called you to this call? Yeah. So great question. So when I graduated college, I went back and worked for my dad. He had a family business. That's what it turned into. At the time, it was just him and a couple of employees and he had a floor covering company. So completely different industry. I was in the construction space. I was also coming off of playing college football and had the opportunity to go back and coach college football. But in that one year back with my dad, I really found this interest for 
itch for entrepreneurship and growing business. And, you know, it was kind of a forced obsession in the beginning because when I was working for my dad, it was kind of like, hey, why don't you come back, work for me until you find your real job? Well, the only way I was going to make more money is if I was going to stuff more money into his pocket. So I was immediately obsessed with like, how do I get more customers in the door for this guy's business? And, you know, we actually had a really good run with that business. We ended up partnering together for probably about four or five years. And, you know, back in 2008, when the recession hit, we were like a lot of companies just holding on for dear life. And literally, I think probably six months before, we'll call it, we signed up for a yellow pages. That's what I love saying that because how irrelevant are the yellow pages now, right? What is we that? signed up for a yellow pages ad. This was like in 2008. We were like signed up to be like the first one right in that in the advertising. And then the recession hit. So all of our money was locked up in, into that contract. We weren't seeing any return from it because nobody was really opening the book. So I that was coincidentally when YouTube and Facebook and all these social media things started to rise and I just had to go effort, right? And so we just started to hustle and through YouTube, Facebook, even some LinkedIn stuff, we really started to see traction even in that down economy. Well, when we came out of that economy, we grew by like 300%. We were under a million, we went over 6 million. And that's when the light bulb went off for me that I was like, hmm, this stuff works. Two light bulbs went off. One is... You know, the stuff works and I've got a skill for it Two, I hated the industry I was in. I did not want to be selling floor covering to homeowners anymore. And I've always had this passion for coaching. I've always had this passion for helping people, but there was another step before I needed to get to there. So what I started doing then is I was in an executive forum and one of the guys in the forum had a staffing company based in the Bay Area that all they did was, you know, recruit engineers and so that was actually when we were in the flooring business, we never had recruiters or staffing companies approach us. We just didn't, we weren't their target, right? We were a small company. And so I'd never really worked with this industry. I never experienced any of it. I was just as green as green could get. And, you and but me. after helping him, it was like, oh, shoot, there's a huge opportunity here. And yeah. actually, Scott, I was just on the phone with my sister right before this. And I'm like, oh, I'll meet with Scott. You know, he was like one of the very first guys that I connected with. So when you and I started doing work together, it was you and a bunch of others I was working with. And that's when I was just learning you know, a lot of things that we were seeing results together. Right. But as we were seeing those results, I was also like, oh, well, we could do it this way better, this way better. And ultimately through kind of trial and error of my done for you businesses, where we built the coaching program, where we built what we call the relevant recruiter method now. So yeah, man, that's kind of how I stumbled into this industry. That, that's amazing. And, you know, I've probably told you before, obviously I had no, no clue that this industry existed. You know, I'm, I'm just a dumb Marine, you know, I'm just yeah. a sales guy. I just talk to people, you know, and uh, I got recruited into this industry because, you know, there was a technology third-party firm that needed help penetrating a, an Air Force base. And they're yeah. like, we just need a military guy who's a salesman. Here I was, you know, and that's awesome. And then, I, you know, I still got to play the dumb Marine in that role too, because they put me in an Air Force base. And then I just played the, hey, I'm just a dumb Marine, you know, and yeah. those guys <laughs> laughing about it because, you know, you know how it is between the, between the branches. So, yeah, man, it's a, and honestly, to your credit, I've still got, I mean, I don't know how many followers I have on LinkedIn now, like 17,000 or something like that, 18,000. And I'll still get every now and then, I'll get somebody sends me a message about some question about this, or I'm looking for a new job or something. And I'll go up through our message history to see who they are. Yep. 18,000 people, man, I don't know who all these people are. Right. And there, there it is. There's Donnie's scripts. Yep. I'm like, oh, it's a guy that Donnie's uh, system was talking to. You know what I mean? So love it. still love to this it. day, to this day. That's, I, five, that's like five years later, right? Yeah. yeah. It's been five years, I think, since we at least... Probably. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I was talking about that. Time has just gotten warped for everyone. It's, it's crazy. Just, yeah. 
Yeah. So, like I haven't seen you in person in a long time. And I'm like, really? I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know. So yeah, that that's amazing, man. So I have some questions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, of course. That are burning in my heart <laughs> because I have used, you know, recruiters before I've had recruiters reach out to me, but it's an industry I'm not familiar with. And so I already get a sense, Donnie, that you're an entrepreneur first and a recruiter second. Right. And so couple of questions. One is, who do you see as your primary customer? Is it a customer, client, or a recruiting individual? That's one. Okay. All right. Let's answer that one first. I have another. All right. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there we go. There we go. So my, my core you know, client is usually an independent recruiter or like a boutique firm, you know, so somebody that's got, you know, 10, maybe, you know, one of the, probably the biggest client I've worked with has about 30, 35 employees. And I'm typically working with the entrepreneur of the organization, somebody like a Scott, you know, and a lot of the things, because we're helping automation, you know, the typical challenge with an independent is they have to hustle to fill the role. And when they're hustling to fill that role, all of their attention's off of business development. Mm-hmm. So they finally fill that role or they don't. And then they look over and their pipeline's gone. So our goal was to initially like, hey, let's just help these guys consistently build a consistent drip of opportunities while they're doing the thing that's most important, you know, serving their client, serving their candidate and making money for themselves. <laughs> so <clears throat> the boutique side is kind of just kind of naturally evolved where we'll come in, we'll actually train, I'll train not only the, the founder of an organization, but their entire recruiting team using some of these more modern approaches. So the great thing about what I enjoy about what I do is that it's always evolving. <clears throat> I'm always able to learn. I learn from my clients every single day. And because I'm always working with recruiters, it, it's benefiting everybody, right? So as I learn, we learn, we all see better results as, as a result of that. So something I'm passionate about. So I like the name Relevant recruiter, right? Because my experience is that recruiters are a dime a dozen, no offense, guys. And that many of them, (laughs) many many of them are sell, no sell, no eat. So there's a tough commission structure Mm -hmm. that they're working with. They don't understand business per se, because they're a recruiter at another company and they're just thinking, I got to fill this role, right? But you take a different level of thinking to that relationship, right? Right. You're, you're, you're teaching them. It's a business. It's a process. So I really think that you're elevating the thinking of the people that you're working with, which I think is very, very important question. Well, first of all, so I think you're serving a lot of people where there's a great need. So I, I love that. But I'm wondering, because to me, you're working in a space. And what I mean by that is marketing. I don't mean recruiting. I mean, marketing. Right. And to me, you're developing systems and approaches that address one of the most difficult areas for a business. And I've had many over the last 25, 30 years. And so, you know, what I'm real curious, what is, if any, is there a secret sauce or said another way is what platform do you think is most effective today? Because we've all heard it. Email's dead. Cold calling yeah. is dead, right? LinkedIn is dying. LinkedIn messaging is dying. I mean, everyone's like, everything's dying. Of course, they're trying to get my attention so they can sell me something. Right. But, right. You know, what do you think is the most effective avenue today? 
Yeah, well, I think very simply for recruiters, I think the most effective avenue is still going to be LinkedIn, hands down. I mean, it's just the easiest place for us to target our clients and target our candidates. But I think, you know, kind of strategically, you know, I think that the challenge becomes is when you look at how this industry was raised, so to speak, right? How were they brought up? Which is pick up that phone, make your hundred outbound dials, you know, and generate some business for us. So the natural thing that somebody does when they start to embrace the technology, which is awesome that they're at least starting to embrace the technology, but what they'll do is they'll take their cold calling script and bring it to LinkedIn. And then it falls on deaf ears, right? And it's something that's ever evolving. I wouldn't even say yearly, I would say monthly, you have to be on top of the trend. So some of the things that I was doing for Scott, you know, when we first started doing, I would never consider to do now because it's outdated and the market's changed and shifted, right? And I think, you know, LinkedIn being the platform, but playing more of a long game. It's challenging because not all, not every recruiting position is, especially if you're working for somebody is going to support that, right? Your boss hires you and he wants billable, you know, next month. And, you know, but a lot of the things that have been ta- taught in this industry, in my opinion, are just too transactional. And that's where I saw a lot of opportunity, which is I can add value to my industry, become a thoughtful resource, and I can attract people. But the other thing I'll kind of hit on here too is there's this thinking that in order for a prospect to engage with me and want to work with me is I have to write and craft this just beautiful dialed in sales pitch. Mm -hmm. And if you walk away with one thing, you know, from this entire podcast is do not pitch to people on LinkedIn. You don't need to. And so what I mean by that is like, I don't need to come in and say, Hey, Scott, if I generate five to 10 leads for you next month, like, would you be interested in having a quick phone call with me? You guys probably hear those messages weekly. Right. And again, because maybe five years ago, you would have maybe responded because it wasn't as noisy. Well, not everybody's playing some sort of automated game. And even if they're not automated, they're still using this platform to reach out with direct messages. So an easy shift would be like, hey, Scott, I'm hearing a lot of rumblings around the, you know, the recession here in the States. I'm hearing from a lot of my clients that their hiring efforts have slowed down. So I just wanted to do a little bit of market research with my network here. Hey, if I sent over a quick one minute survey, would you take the time to fill it out for me? So what I'm doing there is I'm establishing and building a little bit of credibility. I'm showing that my market that I'm not just here to transact. I'm trying to figure out and do some research. I'm building my authority. But this is where I think people miss it is people will still give you job orders from a message like that. <laughs> people yeah. still give you searches from a message like that because you're just there, you're top of mind and you're aware. So where a lot of people think, hey, how do I create this nice pitchy sales letter that turns, you know, most of the time gets deaf ears. What I'm encouraging people to do is start dialogue from starting dialogue. Now I can get back and forth and I can go, hey, Scott, you know what? I can help you with that. And now well, it gets. Yeah. And not only does it fall potentially on deaf ears, but if I do read it, I don't believe it. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Right. And here's another guy's I'm skeptical, right? I've been doing marketing stuff for 20, 30 years. And I think I've heard it all. I think I've seen it all. And I think I've tried it all, right? So when someone says, I can guarantee you 11 appointments a month, Mm -hmm. I'm like, don't even guarantee me anything because I've tried all that stuff. You know. Yeah, and I wanted to exactly. ask that too, Donnie, because I over the last couple of years, I've, I've been thinking about asking this for a while. You know, it's like this space, and what I mean by this space is your space, what you do for a living, seems to have become, and don't, and don't get me wrong, don't take offense to that. I'm not saying that these folks are doing exactly what you're doing, but the whole, you know, client aggregation services and automation space is so noisy now. To Chuck's yep. point, I get, I get new messages every day, every yep. day. And I'm just this like 
really, it's, it's tough for me to not be nice. So way back in the day, I used to respond to everybody. And now here I am, this curmudgeon old dude. I don't respond to anybody. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have time. And besides, right. if I'm doing anything like this, it's going to be with Donnie. I'm not, there's absolutely no way I'm going to go anywhere else. Right. You know, right. I'm going to do that. So, but I feel like there's so, you have to, you have to know you're up against all these people now. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, this industry is, it's highly competitive now, you know, yeah. and even in just the recruitment space, the amount of coaches that have popped up since mm-hmm. since I've been there. And obviously there was plenty of coaches that were there before me, right? You know, I mean, it's business though, right? I mean, if there's competition, right. that's a good thing. That means there's money to go around. And, and if you've got a scarcity yeah. mindset, you're not thinking that way, but Hey, I love when there's competitors. That means there's more, there's more for all of us, right? I'm exactly um, the same way. Whenever I have a, yep. a new recruiter, like I called this candidate and they said they already got a call from another, uh, another recruiter for the same role with our client. You know, aren't you mad about that? And I'm like, no, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind competition, you know, yep. Yep. Bother me a bit. but yeah, yeah. So that, has that changed you or pushed you to change your approach or your, or your product or, you know, to differentiate yourself in the market? Yeah. I mean, I think the way I'm wired and in, in just the way I am as a person is I always want to grow and it doesn't really matter business. It's everything for me. It's growing in my faith. It's growing with my, you know, relationships with my family, Yep. You know, continuing to improve my health, you know, mental health, physical health, emotional health, I- improving my finances and, and improving the fun and the quality of my life. You know, exactly. I mean, those are things that are, you know, that's all really critically important to me. And for me, I'm just not a stagnant person. So whether the competition's there or not, to me, is irrelevant. I'm just going to continue to evolve. I'm always trying to make sure that my message is good to my market. I'm always trying to make sure that my program is delivering, you know, quality results. And yeah, of course, I'm competitive. I mean, I've got a sports background. I want to beat everybody. I want to lead this industry, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? Right. So, but, you know, I also, you know, I've, I've been interacting with, you know, a couple of my fellow competitors are great people, you know, and I would love to align myself. You're going to compete and I'm going to compete with that guy. Love to do it. There's really quality coaches in this, in this space. Of course, naturally, I think I'm the best, but wouldn't we all? <laughs> well, yeah. And if you're going to compete, you want to win any at yeah. the end of the day, right? Competing, yep. fun, but you still want to win. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let me ask a question because this is a space as I got connected with Scott and we've started our journey that to me, the environment hasn't really changed. And what I mean by that is it still is hard to find a job, right? Mm-hmm. To find the right job, even though unemployment's low, blah, blah, blah. You can't find good people. People still struggle, right? There's a, there's a, a handful of job boards that you can post to, and they're all kind of the same. They're data dumps. I actually helped with my daughter, put her on Indeed when she graduated college. And I still get messages from Indeed. I don't know how to turn it off. I mean, I'm an IT guy. I don't know how to turn it off. So it's frustrating, right? I used to, as an employer, I tried ZipRecruiter for a while. And A, it didn't give me anything of quality. And B, it I couldn't figure out a way to turn off the monthly fee. That was frustrating, right? So it's a frustrating environment where people are like, I'll just put my resume on any job board because it's all frustrating. And then on the flip side of that, you know, companies are frustrated because they can't find a good people because they'll, right. they'll sign up for all these job boards and still because they feel like they have to, but there's not really a good option. So right. what's your thoughts on that whole process? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a recruiting expert, so to speak, but what I've seen and what I see a lot of people really is taking as a candidate and building your own personal brand. I mean, with the tools 
the same things that I teach my recruiters to build their own thing, a candidate could easily do for themselves. And I think LinkedIn is still the best place to do it. I think one of the things that a lot of candidates, maybe they are aware, maybe they aren't aware, but working with the recruiters free to them. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. I were somebody that was you know, unemployed or in between jobs or looking to transition, I, knowing what I know now, I'd be connecting with every recruiter in that space. Because for them, if I'm if I'm an asset, they're going to go find me a job. They're going to go market me, <laughs> you know, in the space. Now, unfortunately, that's just not viable for everybody. It's fortunately that there's recruiters aren't going to help everybody. And not every position is recruitable, right? right? But see, therein lies part of the problem. And that is if I get con- contacted by a recruiter, it's for a position. Mm-hmm. And if I'm right. not fit or I'm not interested, I never hear from them again. Right. Yep. Well, see, yep. And not to, you know. To defend recruiters. You know? <laughs> and, and like you said, Chuck, before, it's like you either produce value or you don't eat. You know, yeah. I'm not yep. getting a salary from anybody. So, you know, it, it's hard for recruiters that are client oriented and client focused, which is just about all of us, yeah. because yep. we don't charge, we don't charge our candidates anything, right? And we don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. so it, it's hard for us to construct a job search for somebody when that's not the person who's paying our invoice. Yeah. So right. the person who's paying our invoice, a reactive space, yep. Exactly, is, is our client. So we need to focus on what our client needs. And if you're not what our client needs, that, that sucks. So I have to move on. And, and yeah, I'll try to yeah. keep you in mind. I've got, you know, folders where I keep skill sets and people I can try and go back to, but it's certainly not yeah. 100%. But, you know, and that's why I've always felt so bad because if I'll have like a family member or a close friend, especially since I'm better in focus, you know, who's like, hey, my nephew transitioning out of the Marine Corps. Now you're a Marine, you own this recruiting company. Here's his resume. You can help him out. And it's like, damn, man, you know, the chances I'd love that to. I, I would, I would love to, you know, I All would, right. and, but the chances that I happen to have a job that yeah, fits yep. that guy's skill sets, that guy's interests in his pay range, in a geography that he would prefer. There's, slim to none. Slim to none. I mean, yep. no yep. way. You're a recruiter yep. and a representative. I, right. 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 That's right. Well, so, if you're going, going back into the same thing is like, it, you know, it, I think that if you're, it's hard as a candidate to know how, qual- how how marketable you are, right? Some people are marketable that, you know, recruiters could actually take and utilize. I think a lot in most cases, exactly what's going to happen, what you said, Scott, which is like, I'd love to help you, but whatever I have on my plate right now, you just aren't a match for, right? And I think that's where the next level is like, well, continue to brand yourself, continue to leverage LinkedIn and go directly to the actual companies, right? Mm-hmm. That might be hiring for the positions that you're after would be the next, you know, next step out there. <laughs> I think that it's kind of like either way. And this is, again, this is the way I'm programmed is like, if you want to go get it, right. If you want to go get it. So, you know, there's a lot of jobs out there. If you want that job, then go, go find that way, go break down that door, go, go make yourself valuable. You so, know, which is obviously easier said though, than done. That when a recruiter does reach out to you, like when, when you do get contacted by a recruiter, if you are at all open-minded to switching positions or, the position that they have, if they they enticed you with a paragraph or whatever, if it sounds attractive, man, reach out to them. Because not only do they not charge you anything, Donnie, but it's not only that, but if they have a contract with this company, they have a relationship with somebody that you don't. They have a yep. relationship with an executive, mm-hmm. with, with someone that if you just applied on the website, you're never going to get to that person. So right. if that job that that recruiter is reaching out to you sounds at all relevant and you're at all open-minded to making a change, Man, you respond to them. Yep. Yep. Well, 100%. You know, I I think one of the things that I always found passion about, you know, I don't do recruiting myself. I don't, I'm not a recruiter, right? But 
by extension, I think it's the industry that probably has one of the worst reputations, right? But on the flip side is I think it does more for, you know, the world than most occupants. I don't want to say most, I don't want to compare, but right. where do you get to truly change an individual's life while simultaneously changing the, the trajectory of a business? Yep. That, I mean, that's the unique thing that a recruiter can do. He can take somebody and change their career path and change the company they're working for, make them a much happier individual while simultaneously improving business quality, you know, through, through a good match. And I think that's a really unique I job provide, occupation. I right? get to provide tremendous value to people. The only catch yep. is I don't get to choose who I get to provide value to. My right. client does, you know, yep. <laughs> that's, that's all there is, you know? Yep. Well, and before I should have brought this up right off the bat, I've been meaning to ask you. So I noticed that you moved. You left California. Left California. Yep. So just on person, just what? So what, what's where, going on? Where right are now? you? Where are you? I'm in Idaho now. All it takes is to live in California to understand my <laughs> California. <laughs> just, you know, I was born and raised there, and just became. If we're just being straight and to the point, it became a place I didn't want to raise my family anymore. Right. I don't like what's going on there. I don't like what's being taught to my kids. Right. I don't like the communities and what they're just turning it back. They're back on. I think there's poor leadership on all levels, and you know, I'm not a person that's going to bitch about things. I'm going to change. So exactly. something that frustrated me for a while. And I just finally, my wife and I just kind of looked at each other one day and said, like, it's time to make a change. It's time to make a move. And yeah. since we've been out here, we've been, I think, nine months now, uh, heading into our 10 months. You've got space months. though, right? You've got land, right? It looks like. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we've got about a, we're, we're on about a half acre, but I've got no neighbors behind me. We're up on a ridge. We live in the mountains. It's honestly, it's just night and day from California. Well, the pictures um, that I've seen, yeah, it's just expensive. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm like, yeah. Man, I mean, I, 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 I can show you out of my little, my window view here with the camera, but it's. It makes it's, me envious, man, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, when we left California, I mean, obviously California's got, you know, it's a beautiful state. There's a lot of tremendous people there. You know, obviously we both were, my wife and I were both born and raised there. Our kids were in the community there. So it was definitely a difficult transition, right. but, you know, still very, very much worth it. And when we came out here, we were, you know, we were living in a really nice home in California. We were fortunate and, you know, that we're able to afford it. But when we came out here, it was like, well, we don't want to move to Idaho and downgrade, so to speak. And so I've always been obsessed with a good view. I mean, that's, that's, Me yeah. yeah, I don't care about whatever the, the inside of the house and the house, that's the wife. <laughs> For me, it's like, here's where we're going to be. Right. And we walked through the doors of this house and it was the first house we looked at when we were in Idaho. And we, of course, looked at others after, but this was the first one we walked in and we put an offer on it the next day. And you walk through our front door and you can see all the mountains and it's just spectacular. Oh, so we're like, I could go ahead and live there every day and work out of that <laughs> office back there. That, that's inspiring for me. So what part, what part of Idaho? We're near Boise. So we're in a little town called Hidden Springs. My town, it seems like it's out of a movie. I'll be honest. I don't know that there's very many communities that really exist <laughs> like this anymore. I mean, we're... 15 minutes from downtown Boise, 15 minutes from another town called Eagle. We are like a community of probably, I'd say maybe about a thousand homes. We have our own little restaurant up here, a couple little restaurants, a little Merck Center, uh, but we don't have a gas station up here. We don't have a grocery store. You know, we're, we're just a little community, but it's it's just a you know breath of fresh air. One of the things that, you know, um, don't want to go down this too far, but what coming from California, like it's changed so much. It's not safe. I mean, that was a big, right. a big thing right. for us is we just didn't feel it was a very safe community. And you couldn't just take your kids to the park. You wouldn't, you didn't feel comfortable in a lot of communities, let your kids go to the park by themselves. And, you know, but now when we came out here, I see this like little five-year-old girl riding a bike by herself, no parent in sight. And it was like, we're like trauma, like coming from California. Like, what, what, what is she doing? Like, where's her dad, you know? And then you start seeing it on a regular basis. And it's just like, nice. It feels like what I kind of grew up with. Like, 
all the kids ride their bikes to school or walk to school. Or nowadays they've got like, my son's got a little electronic dirt bike that he rides down there. And yep. but it's just fun to see like that level of community. It's something we really missed. My parents young. never knew where I was growing up. Yeah. Never. Well, that's how it should be. It you know, fun. I mean, it's, it's what's weird here is we're up further North on the hemisphere. And so our days and nights, so in the summer, the days are super long. The sun doesn't set until like 1030 in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can't even use the whole, hey, streetlights come out because it's a little bit too late for that, you know. But <laughs> yeah, your kid, you know, they're out there playing and outside and not crammed on a phone. And, mm-hmm. you know, not saying that technology is not a, you know, a good thing. And the kids, there's some a place for it for kids. But I, you know, I yeah. find and and obviously that's that's work a home-based thing, right? But find here that our kids just naturally are drawn to being outside more. There's more activities for them to do outside. Their friends are playing outside. And, you know, there's often times where they get out of school and it's like, I don't see them again until nine o'clock at night. And, you know, once out playing, being kids. So we we love it, man. We love it. So I wanted, I meant to ask you about that right away before we got into the business stuff. And then you said something. Sorry, I could talk about it all day long. No, no, man. I want to know more about that too. Because that's, yeah. yeah. You know, our youngest is 10, so we're still very uh, interested in making sure that he's integrated in a community with a platoon of friends and he can go. And, yep. you know, and that's, yep. that's where we're at. We're in a nice new build neighborhood. He's got a lot of friends. But if it were, you probably already know this about me. I mean, if it were me, I have, you know, 50 densely wooded acres and, you know, yeah. and I'm a very yeah. outgoing guy. But just when I go home, I just want to want to check out. Yeah, we actually because that I'm the same boat. I mean, that's where I see myself when, when we were making a move, though. We have the opportunity to buy more, you know, land and property and be by ourselves. We actually intentionally decide to be in the neighborhood for the kids. We're like, okay, if we're coming from a different state, we're not going to know anybody. They're not going to know anybody. Like, what's the best way for us to do this? Well, let's just go be a part of a community for the first couple of years. And perfect. My, you know, one of my sons has more friends here already now than he had back in California. And they're close friends. They're good kids. Kids you want them hanging out with. Them. Not again. Not saying that everybody in California is bad. We have <laughs> no, 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 great no, no. people right. that we love in California, but it's just been weird how the dynamics worked out. And, and yeah, so it's been really, really great change for all of us. So you mentioned just to shift gears. Yeah, no, no, uh, right. You mentioned for individuals to brand themselves, right? You encourage individuals, you encourage recruiters to brand themselves and you help them with that. Do you do any work with companies to help them brand? Because let's face it, companies do branding, Mm -hmm. but do they really do branding for recruiting purposes or not? Well, we try to. And when I say we, now I'm speaking of my my old Sarah Lee days, you know, when I was the the head of recruiting for Sarah Lee before going off on my own. And we have an employer branding strategy. We have campaigns. We have, it's something that we're aware of. We put some focus on, and sometimes it's no, no more than, you know, partnering with some firm out of New York and spending $3 million and they put a website together. And you know what I mean? It's sometimes yep. that's about yep. all yep. you do, but it is something that's on everybody's mind. And that's one thing, Donnie, that, that we want Klein to be able to address specifically, not just, you know, helping candidates find the right roles or helping companies find the right candidates, but also is like a, a collective employer branding space. Yeah. So not only where employers can put their best foot forward, but where candidates can go and really learn and understand about different industries, different companies, what it is they're doing, what their missions are, what can they be passionate about? In addition to branding themselves, right? Because yeah. I keep thinking about the connectedness, right, with recruiters and with the ecosystem for me to be successful as an individual. And that's really what we're trying to address is we're trying to bridge that gap between companies who are looking and people who are 
maybe looking, but maybe not looking, but are branding themselves. And they go to a place like Climb where they can express themselves, not not only in branding, but we anticipate learning more and more about them such that we can then see and find companies and opportunities that they may not even know existed. Right. Where it connects with them on a personal level whether it's what they're passionate about, whether it's arts, whether it's philanthropy, you name it, right? Location, all of that. We want to take that and kind of take the whole person and get to know them so that, you know, envision a world where an individual goes to a place where they feel like they're best represented and companies go to find those incredible people. And you end up with an environment over time where really the people are working at the best possible place they could because they love it, their values align, et cetera. And companies are getting those people People, so people are happy, they're energized, they're motivated, they're and, and they're engaged, and yeah. companies are excited because they go to this one place and they see where these people are. So there's not a, hey, I'm raising my hand now looking for an opportunity. It's like, climb, you know me, go ahead and look, see what's right. out there and see if there's something that really fits for me. Yeah, if you can, if you can raise that engagement level across the entire workforce, even 1% would be an enormous, you know, factor with respect to productivity, producing goods, services, all the rest. That engagement is key. You know, if you get somebody who's really engaged and aligned with your mission and is paying attention on the hours that they commit to working for you, I mean that that is key. And that, that's yep. what is really lacking, especially right now in the workforce, I think. There's just not a tremendous amount of engagement. And there's a million reasons why that is. And we could go down a rabbit hole and talk for the next oh, yeah. hours about COVID and COVID response and how everybody feels and nobody really wants to work. And you know, and this is, I live in this space. This is where I live, you know, and and, and there are a lot of half truths to that because it's a complicated equation, right? It's not just, well, nobody wants to work anymore. And you can just sum it up to that. (laughs) No, it's not, that's not, not, that's not it. But there are a lot of complexities going on that are impacting the workforce right now. And a lot of it is impacting individual employee engagement. And there's a lot of, even the ones who are working are just not really into it. Well, and I would argue that that's the core of what's happening today. That is, we have a, a younger, a newer workforce that want to be more engaged. Mm-hmm. They want to be more passionate. They want to have a stronger connection with the company than just a pay purpose. And right? they, they, want, they yeah. want to have more yeah. of a purpose. And so the industry the market has to respond to that because it's no longer okay to say, I'll pay a little bit more and, and not treat you that well and everything right. be fine. Right? right. So, so it's a different individual that we're dealing with it today is. It is. than yeah. we were, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And, and it makes sense that it would be that way. I mean, and right. we're, we're responding as a species, not to get too deep off the rabbit hole here, but I mean, mm-hmm. we're responding as a species to a much different environment than has ever existed before. I mean, we were at, and yep. agrarian species for our entire eternity. And, you know, all of a sudden the industrial revolution comes along. And nowadays, I think kids, they think about that as ancient history. But man, that's like three or four generations ago. That's not very long ago that right. we've been living like this, you know. And so mm-hmm. before, like all, when, every, when these factories popped up after the industrial revolution, all these all those guys came from the farm and came from the field. And they're just as happy to get a paycheck. Steady I mean, paycheck. That work, was, that work yep. was easier, easier 
than the backbreaking labor in the fields. So that's fair to them. And then you go on a couple of generations, and here we are, to your point, Chuck, people are like, why am I doing this? Well, and I I grew up in the materialistic 80s, where it was all about getting stuff. Well, I'll tell you today, I have stuff. I'm still searching for more meaning. Purpose. And actually, my kids, my kids grew up with stuff, Mm -hmm. and they don't care about stuff. That's right. That's right. Right. So they're they're like ahead of the curve. It's funny. I'm same thing. I mean, I I grew up in the 80s as well. And yeah, you're kind of programmed. I mean, had all these things and like, I would, you know, achieve certain things that I thought I would, you know, I wanted to desire and achieve as a kid and like receiving them is great. But yeah, like, it's really, what's the meaning? What's the purpose? Right? right? How, how do I stay motivated? And I think there's a lot of different, you know, challenges out there. I think going back into what you're saying about branding, I think branding is, I think before in our life, it was a choice. And I don't think it really is now. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I think there's an entitled part of the society right? That just thinks that they woke up so they should get a job, right? And I should get whatever job I want. And I don't need to work as hard as the guy next to me. And I should just get the same. I don't, I don't agree with any of that. I think that, I definitely think that when you look at the younger generation, I think it's, I think we're, the change that's coming is actually good, but I think it needs to be balanced, right? Meaning that like the reason I went on my path, one of the reasons that I wanted to get out of working with my dad's business is I didn't want to commute. I didn't want to work a nine to five. Mm -hmm. I love freedom. I think other people should be able to have the same type of freedom too. I think companies that more that they understand that, you know, and get out of these boxes of like, oh, you got to work an eight hour day. Like, why don't you just give this guy in the office? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, and I think, and I don't think that there's, I don't know that there's a right answer. I think what the answer is, is like, what do I want to create in my organization and then attract people that want to work there, right? I don't think that there needs to be 100% remote or 100% in office. I think, you know, Elon Musk can say, hey, come back to work. And that's great because all the people there want to show up and go to work. And I think another company can go, hey, stay home, work there. And I think both can work. And I think that that's where, I think one of you guys brought up like the universal statements of, well, nobody wants to work. Well, <laughs> It, there, there's no universals in this world, right? Like certain right. companies can kind of stay traditional, but I think that I, I think the kind of the need and change for how work is done and executed, I think, is just where I think COVID exposed a lot, right? right. And I think there does need to be more play playfulness with organizations, and then for you know, similar to how I left California, it's like, well, if you don't like your company, then go find a company where that work environment is going to suit and work for you. Right. Well, and I so, would yeah. extend, Donnie, I would extend that statement. Nobody wants to work. I would extend it to say, nobody wants to work your way. Right. Exactly. Right? That's, yep. that's really what people are saying right. because right. I'm a firm believer and I've been asked this in our company, you know, what are our working hours? <laughs> I'm like, Gee, I don't know. Is that that is that in a handbook? I just want people to get their work done. Done. Yeah. That's it. And I said, I don't mm-hmm. care when you do it. I just had a review with one of our people in our accounting department. And one of the things he really likes is flexibility. Yep. He has kids. He can go do things with his kids and then finish up some work in the evening. And I'm telling you what, this guy's a rock star. He mm-hmm. he's efficient. He's effective. He's quality. I mean, I was like, wow. And but but I told him, I said, here's the environment that I think about. You wake up in the morning and you go to bed at night. And in between there, you do what's called life. That right. includes work, it includes family, it includes home, it includes everything. 
And it's up to you to organize your day around all of that to be successful in life. And part of that is working, right? Because you want to be successful in working, but also you want to be successful in life with your family. So that's kind of the environment that I like to create because I don't want to be checking up on people. You know, are you in the office or not? I don't care. Just produce. Right. Yeah. Just Just produce. produce. Yeah. Yeah. Just produce. Yeah. No, I I think that more and more companies are going to take, I mean, that's, you know, I've got some people that support my team. That's the same thing. It's like, I don't. When do I don't care yeah. these te- these hours? Yeah, I need you to come here. You need to be there in these hours because we have this objective. The rest yeah. of it's like just do your job. Make sure it's done. Make sure it's right. done well, right? right? But there, I think there's so much so much opportunity for for that mindset. And and I think to your point is like you're usually creating more of a happy employee. And I think you know especially if we're just talking about what's happening here in the United States. It's like how fast do our lives move, right? Mm-hmm. I mean it's just insane the amount of input that's coming into us from ads, from social media, from all these things. You know the increased stress levels. You know the increased cost of living. You know where traditional you know dad works, mom is at home. That's obviously we're we're, we're moving far past that, but that's also kind of what's breaking our family structures, right? Yeah, right. And to be able to create work environments that support the both. Hey, come here, work your ass off. Hey, go home, be a great mom, be a great dad. Right. Hey, come back. And because I think that's what our society needs is like we've we're in this kind of like in between where most families can't afford to have a, a dedicated parent at home. Most families need two incomes in order to survive. But then how do we take care of our families and our communities? And this is why I think that America is kind of going in this direction is going where it's a little bit all over the place, in my opinion. And we're losing a lot of core values because parents aren't able to parent their kids and be home because they're forced into these work environments that aren't a win. And then they get home and how much, how good of a parent are there because they're stressed out to the max. Right. So I and, think there's so much right. opportunity. No, there, there is. And that's, and I'm just going to say, so the episode before this one, one, it's not published yet. And then when this yep. one gets published, but is actually my interview, my wife, Bree. So yep. man, if you have a few oh. minutes, check, check that out. Cause she, you know, she, yeah. stands, she stands against so many social tropes that are thrown into the into the youth spaces these days. She didn't finish her college degree and somehow she's still extraordinarily successful. You know, right. and she she chose to step away from a large salary with a large recruiting firm up in Chicago once our youngest was born because she wanted to stay home with him and, and be a mom. And she's yep. not supposed to do that. You know? Yeah. And she's supposed right. to fail miserably by choosing to do that. And we none of those things have happened. We're fine. Right. You know? Yep. So yeah, check out her episode if you get a few minutes, you know. Of course, I'm biased. She's my wife. I love her. So yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely, check it, out. definitely yeah. check it out. And one thing I wanted to touch on too, because obviously when, when we get to market with Climb, I'll, I'll make sure you know a lot more about that and what's going on. But I'd, I'd love to, as I mentioned, you know, really utilize you as our internal resource from a, a marketing go-to-market standpoint. But one thing that's, that's really you know almost kept me up at nights, a couple of nights thinking about it, I mean that literally, you know, was how do we engage that third-party community? You know, I don't want to just be another job board. I mean, we already we have already developed a unique proprietary scraper that goes out and it functions beautifully. We have a mountain of data, Donnie. And when I say data, yeah. I mean job, job postings. Right. We've got the job post. We've got all the job postings we want. But the problem with most job aggregators, and it's not the, that's not our problem, that's not the way we design our scraper, is that they go out and scrape jobs from everywhere. And recruiters, and they can, any recruiter can post jobs at any time. So if Procter & Gamble opens up an operations manager position in Cincinnati, Ohio, that's going to get posted everywhere by their 30 recruiting partners. And so that one job is going to be represented on that on that 30 times, 30, 40 times. And I, right. I, I want to avoid that. But at the same time, I want to be able to engage the third party staffing community 
but I don't just want to be, you know, everybody coming on and, and posting jobs all over the place. Right. I don't know if, what, what your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I think it's about what kind of purpose can you can you get your market to buy into? Like what your guys' bigger vision and purpose is what's going to be able to get people to really buy on, right? I mean, the way it sits right now, it's another tool in the marketplace, which obviously there's yeah. a lot of features that, you know, you guys know you've built out better and solving yeah. a lot of problems from the other things that you've seen. But yeah, I mean, if for, for people to receive it, I think it's a part of a bigger movement. What is this movement that you're trying to create that people can tie on to? And movement can be community, right? However you would want to say that. But like, where's the passionate thing? What's the story that we can sell that people are going to be like, yeah, that's that's something I want to be a part of. That's what I try to create for my own, you know, business and what I teach other people to do, which is like simply, hey, let's build a community. Let's show what our vision and our mission is. And let's get some people to follow us on that. And those people usually kind of carry carry a lot of the weight. But I think that's where you're probably, in my opinion, just, again, I haven't seen the tool. I don't know what <laughs> all the nuances are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's getting, I think, getting the industry to think about, you know, and this is kind of marketing 101 for me is like, hey, here's the way that me, the industry sits currently, right? Here's the problem with that. Here's what this solves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people want problem solved. That's why they usually buy things, right? And if we can hit the emotional cord of, you know, here's what happens when you stay here versus using a product like this, you know, uh, then I think we can attract a lot of people. But, you know, if we, if we can really find and, and share the bigger mission that, that this tool, you know, solves that interaction between, you know, end employer, employee, and even that third party in between, you know, we're trying to create a better workforce. We're trying to create a better, you know, hiring workflow process. I think that's the things that people are going to buy into. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Even if a recruiter couldn't post a job, if we can provide more in-depth information about people yep. that may or may not be available, yep. I think there's value there. There is. And our initial strategy really is just to attract the candidates, attract the job seekers, have something that's tremendously valuable to them. And then if you're that place that's attracting all the job seekers, you're going to have no problem attracting the clients because you've got all the candidates on your platform, you know? Yeah. So yep. yeah, it, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I, Yeah. I, yeah. No, I'm interested. I can't wait to hear more once you guys officially roll that thing out. So yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's really great talking with guys like you that are, you know, you're not just trying to create a tool for creating a tool space. You're trying to solve, you are trying to solve a bigger problem in the industry. You're trying to solve and, you know, identify a gap in the market that there's a huge need for, which I think will, you know, maybe your tool solves it, but I think it's something that we're all going to be going after, which is how do we create better experiences for exactly. employers and candidates and, you know, continuing to have workforces and careers that people are inspired and wake up, you know, not dreading their day, but fired up about their day. And for me, you know, place, I, I, right? what's that? It's make, make the world a better place. place. Well, it's a, a better place. To me, it's, yeah. But, you know, for me, I wake up every morning and like, I don't have a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same. Right. I, to me, this isn't a job. I love what I do. Are you kidding me? It's 12 o'clock right now, one o'clock right now. And I'm sitting here, you know, BSing with you guys like this is fun, you know, mm-hmm. and I get to after this, I get to coach people, which is something I'm genuinely passionate about. There's nothing that makes me more excited than somebody coming through my program. And even if it's not even like making the big result, which is making a placement and getting the money, but just watching somebody like overcome a fear and and record right. a video right. for the first time and run an automated campaign for the first time when they're scared to do so. It's it's fun to see people achieve. And so for me, it's like I've created a life intentionally that I desire. And I and you know, that's what I try to do in my little market, right? And right. serve my little space and then create the same thing. And and I think the more that we're trying to help people live their optimal lives, we're making the world a better place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, live a better life. 
have a better yeah. path, right? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, but hey, man, where, where can people find you, Donnie? You can find me pretty much all over the web. So my website is at DonnieGupton.com. Donnie go to LinkedIn, search Donnie Gupton. Go to YouTube, you can search Donnie Gupton. We've got a Facebook group called The Relevant Recruiter Group. We've got a podcast called The Relevant Recruiter Show, which Scott, need to get you on that one here soon. Hey, um, cool, let's do it. I'm hard to miss on the web. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, and I say this, I feel like I've said this in so many of these episodes already. It's like, you know, I mean, I could just sit here and bullshit the rest of the afternoon. We can talk for yep. like another two hours and be perfectly fine with me. Yep. But I have been trying to, to limit these. And I know that for what the platform that my producers use, when I get too much over an hour, the file is too big to upload. And I know. <laughs> right. but we got a chop here. We're getting ready. <laughs> so, uh, but anything else that, that we want to cover? Definitely stay tuned for what we're planning on delivering and absolutely would love to get your input and feedback and thoughts on what we're doing. So absolutely. looking forward. Yeah. And, and yeah, obviously uh, you're welcome back here on this show anytime, man. If there's something, some big campaign you've got going on, something you want to talk about, obviously just let me know. No, I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to chat with you guys and I appreciate the opportunity and humbled to be a part of hopefully uh, helping you guys with that app. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, man. So, Hey, Donnie, always great to catch up, brother. Thank you guys. Nice meeting you. Bye-bye. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.